Hello, everyone. I'm Matt Toth, Executive Director of the J. Cruz Education Center, and welcome to the J. Cruz Education Center podcast. Today, we're going to focus on one of our 16 pathways. Remember, our goal with this podcast is to jump into the lives of individuals and discover what it's like to be them as we help people discover what jobs exist and how they can mesh their talents and passions to find a career that is fulfilling. So next up, next up today, we are going to jump into the manufacturing pathway, and I'm actually joined today by our special guest, Chris Straw. Chris, how are you? Good. How are you doing, Matthew? Oh, I'm fantastic. It's a good day. <laughs> yeah. Good. Yeah. So before we get started, and I'll let you introduce yourself in a minute, but for the folks listening, I want to recap the manufacturing pathway. Uh, basically, this pathway includes a lot of sub-pathways within manufacturing, such as health and safety, environmental assurance, logistics and inventory control, uh, maintenance, installation and repair, gosh, manufacturing, production process development, uh, production and the quality assurance process. Uh, some jobs you might find in this area it would include and uh, are not limited to assembler, a fabricator, a baker, a dental tech, a food processor, um, a machinist, tool and die, and many of others that we have here. Um, uh, can't list them all. There's a lot to go through. But basically, someone involved in uh, raw materials, using raw materials to create a product is probably the best summary of manufacturing that I can come up with. And we mentioned quality assurance, and Chris, that's where you fit in. I think you're here today to share a little bit about what you do. So please introduce yourself and tell us where you work and what your title is. Sure. Uh, my name is Chris Straw. I was born and raised, actually, in Auburn, Indiana. Okay. And I started a company called Team Quality Services about 23 years ago uh, here in Auburn. I am the uh, president and CEO uh, and was the original founder of Team Quality Services many, many years ago. <laughs> okay. So, so what is the, what does team quality services do and what do you do in, in your job then on a daily basis? Sure. Uh, our job is to help companies uh, identify and prevent quality issues. So like you had mentioned earlier uh, in the podcast, there are companies out there that make everything that we see and when you're making those things, it doesn't always go right. And hmm. what our job is to do is to help those companies identify when they do have quality issues and uh, if they happen to have already shipped them, we can help contain uh, and find those issues uh, and help them minimize the impact to their customers. Hmm. Interesting. So how, how would a company find you then? Or how uh, do they know that you exist? Or do they just go sure. looking for someone to help them with their <laughs> business? Yep. Uh, well, usually it starts with a web search. Okay. Uh, so certainly we have a web page, teamqualityservices.com. Uh, that's one resource. Uh, a lot of times, too, what happens is, is the customer, um, our customer that actually manufactures the product, mm -hmm. typically what happens is, is the first one to complain is the end user. Yeah. And so that person makes a complaint of some kind, and uh, that's when quality gets involved. Okay, what happened? When did it happen? How big is the impact? And then they call in people like us to help uh, remedy and fix that and contain the issue. Interesting. So basically a, a third party to come in and look at the process, how it's happening and what areas it could be improved upon. It's exactly. Kind of because they don't have, they don't have just an army of people sitting on the couch uh, waiting for quality issues to come up and then dispatch them, you know, all across the world in today's market. Uh, and that's where we come in. So we have those resources stationed uh, throughout North America for our company. 
and then when there is a quality issue, no matter where that's at, then we can dispatch our team to go find and contain and help fix that problem. Awesome. Awesome. Well, you've built quite the business. I know, I think you've got a new building in Auburn. It looks beautiful. And uh, Thank curious you. what the most exciting thing is about your business and your job. Uh, I think the most exciting thing is, is that uh, I, I get to be creative and think of ways to help strategize the vision and direction for the company. That's probably the most exciting thing. Hmm. Um, you know, at this, I'll be honest, at this point in my career, I went to college to be an airline pilot. So <laughs> this isn't uh, exactly the career path that I thought I was going to be at uh, sure. at my age. Um, but it's been a great life. It's been great for me um, and my family. And it's it's given me a very rewarding uh, life and lifestyle that uh, I probably wouldn't have gotten had I followed what my original intent was going to be. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. What's the most difficult thing that you have to do? Uh, I think one of the hardest things, uh, and this is maybe sound crazy, but uh, people are the most. <laughs> That's not crazy. They yeah. are the most unpredictive thing uh, that we work with. Uh, you know, you can program computers, you can tweak machines and everything, and then you throw a person in there and all bets are off. So <laughs> I think that uh, certainly that's the most difficult thing is understanding, navigating, inspiring, guiding, managing uh, people. That's that's the toughest. Sure. Yeah, it makes sense. Human capital yeah. is, yeah, it's tricky. <laughs> it sure is. Is there anything you thought you would never do, but you actually have to do on a regular basis? Uh, yeah, one of the things that, uh, you know, a lot of today's leadership uh, books, um, training and things talk a lot about empowerment, empower your people to, uh, you know, be responsible and have ownership in their work and everything. And I'll be honest, one of the things that I really didn't think I would have to do, uh, you know, we, we create an environment like that. And I, I want that out of, out of our people. I want them to take ownership of it. Honestly, if they take more ownership, that's less I have to worry about, right? Yep. Uh, but I was and still continue to be shocked and amazed how sometimes there's a reluctance of people to actually take that responsibility. Um, and so you create this opportunity for them and, and, you know, you're excited to give it to them and they don't want it, <laughs> yeah. you know? And, and so certainly that is something I never thought. No, they don't talk a lot about in the leadership books. There's always kind of an assumption that people want more and they want more responsibility. Mm -hmm. And I'll be honest, that's not always the case. Sure. Sure. Responsibility means that at the end of the day, it might be your your rear end at the end of the line and you have to That's take ownership right. for the decision you made. And I know you're right. A lot of people probably don't want that. Yeah. Yep. So you mentioned you were an airline pilot prior to starting Team Quality Services. Mm -hmm. I guess back up maybe. Uh, why were you interested in becoming an airline pilot? And then what excited you and, and made you switch to starting Team Quality Services? Sure. Uh, it actually started, the airline pilot dream started when I was about nine years old. Uh, okay. My grandparents used to go to uh, a trip to California every year to visit relatives. And when I was a kid, we would take them to the airport. And I can remember pulling up to Fort Wayne, uh, well, Bearfield at the time. Yes, yes. And you could see the, you could see the tails of the big jet planes. And you, at that time, you could walk with grandma and grandpa down to the gate and see <laughs> the planes and the pilots. And, and I've always had a fascination for travel. 
And so, wow, you could really get paid to travel and, uh, you know, do a cool job, which is being able to fly. So it was like, wow, that's a career path. So I discovered that when I was about a junior in high school and sought out to uh, go to school to do that, went to college to do that. And when I graduated college, it was 1991, which was the middle of a recession. And <laughs> you, there certainly wasn't any airlines hiring. And it was tough to even just get a job at the local airport, maybe, you know, to flight instructing or teaching. Um, and so with that, you know, I had to be resourceful and okay, so you can't uh, just, you know, sit on the couch uh, for the rest of your life. And so I started investigating other career paths and uh, ran into a friend of mine that I went to college with and she actually suggested the military, which I had never yeah. considered. Now, right. remember, I'm, I'm a college graduate at this point with a bachelor's degree and all my pilot licenses I need, but you know, can't get a job because of the economy. And uh, so I thought, wow, I, you know, I never really considered the military, but uh, when the economy's tough like that, uh, yeah. you're doing a lot of things maybe you didn't really want to do and sure. start working in jobs I just couldn't stand. And it got so bad finally at one point that I decided uh, one day on a lunch break, I went to the recruiter uh, down at Northcrest in Fort Wayne and said, Hey, I want to fly tankers at Grissom and you need to hire me. You know? <laughs> He's like, Whoa, okay. Slow down here, buddy. And uh, so he walked me through that whole process. Well, that was about a three year, uh, undertaking, but, uh, you know, I was very committed to it. And so did that, went to officer training school first, uh, then went to flight school and uh, ended up flying tankers at Grissom three years later. So that was fantastic. But, you know, so I was building up experience to be an airline pilot. But uh, probably one of the things that uh, a lot of those reserve guys, I was in the Air Force Reserve, and a lot of those guys are airline pilots. That's okay. their primary job and their secondary job is to be a reserve pilot. So I got to know them learn about that lifestyle. And at the time I was just, I just, just gotten married. I was starting to have a family and kids. And I remember one of the airline pilot guys, uh, he said, you know, I never unpack. Uh, <laughs> I just have a constant suitcase. And I thought, boy, that is not the kind of husband and dad that I want to be. Uh, yeah. I want to be the little league coach. I want to, you know, do stuff like that and participate in my kids' lives. And I didn't, you know, my eyes were kind of opened. Um, and this was, of course, after we spent thousands of dollars going to college. Sure. <laughs> Everything. Uh, my eyes were opened at what that, you know, it wasn't just the money and the travel that was enticing. Uh, there was some downside to it. And sometimes mm -hmm. you're blinded by that. Um, so, you know, it opened up some, my eyes to, hey, maybe I look, I'll look at other opportunities and uh, an opportunity came up to be a quality liaison is what they call it uh, at the GM plant in Fort Wayne. Okay. I've always liked cars. I thought cars were cool. I'm not a tinkerer, but I always thought that was neat and fascinating sure. in the manufacturing world. Uh, and you know, the, the background that you learn in aviation, uh, you know, to be a good pilot, they teach you a ton about uh, electronics because you have to know if something goes wrong with the electronics in the airplane you have to know about that or yeah. hydraulics mechanical aptitude aerodynamics you know just some basic technical physics applications it's a troubleshoot uh, so on the fly exactly pun, pun, yeah. when you're at thirty thousand feet you can't be uh, an idiot you know yeah. <laughs> so you yeah. gotta have some basic knowledge here sure 
So that that general uh, overview of knowledge in all those areas really helped me when I walked into the GM plant for the first time, and I'm you know seeing hydraulic robots and yeah. and things, and wow, this all makes sense. So it was taking that uh, learned skill and applying it in a different direction, uh, but it really helped you know make me uh, pretty good at what I did, and uh, the. The cool thing about it too was is the disciplines that I learned in the military um, and through officer school. Uh, you know, those things really helped me set the stage for uh, creating a business. And like you said, uh, you know, very fortunate, very blessed along the way. But things have panned out, you know, probably better than uh, I even expected, honestly. Gotcha. So it sounds like an experience when you were young led you to kind of follow the um, pilot path. Um, yeah. And from there, relationship with a former friend that kind of directed you to jump into the quality assurance aspect of things. Sure. Yep. No skills. I, I okay. think that, you know, the, the sexy word they use these days in the entrepreneurial world is, world is pivot. Pivot. There you go. <laughs> it was a life pivot when I was about 24. Okay. Okay. Very good. <laughs> it's a good time to life pivot though. There you go. Yes. <laughs> so what skills uh, do you look for in someone wanting to get into your career field and, and jump into manufacturing on the quality assurance side? Sure. Uh, I'll tell you a little bit about what we look for. Uh, and there are uh, five different attributes that we look in for somebody. And we actually have an acronym and it's called This Can Do. And the this, the T, is team first. I want somebody with a team first attitude. Um, somebody that is really self-centered uh, probably isn't going to make it. Uh, we are team quality services for a reason. And so that has to be somebody that's a real team player. Uh, the H uh, is humble confidence. We want somebody who knows what they're talking about and has a, a skill set, but we also don't want them to be arrogant and cocky. Um, sure. They got to be coachable. And if they already know everything, it's probably not going to work for me. Uh, they have to have integrity. Most of our uh, people actually work out in the field. Uh, as okay. I talked, we have coverage throughout North America. What you see in Auburn is actually just the corporate office where the sales team um, accounting, HR, and those kind of things work out of. Uh, so we have just over 200 employees, about 25 work in Auburn. The rest of them all work out in the field or remote offices. Okay. And when I, when I say integrity, uh, it's doing the right thing when nobody's looking because I am not there. We don't have a manager, you know, breathing down everybody's neck, making sure they're doing what they need to do every day. So we have right. to have people that are hardwired that way, uh, to start with. Gotcha. Uh, and the, this can do the S is self-driven. Um, again, I don't have a manager breathing down your neck, giving you a list of here's what needs done today. So you got to be self-driven, creative, have an eye for, Hey, here's what I need to do and be able to set those goals and achieve them every day on your own. Uh, and then a can do attitude. Uh, and that's probably one of the most important. Um, if you are faced with something and you're the only guy out in Kansas, uh, but you don't believe that, oh boy, I don't think I can do that. Well, you probably are defeated <laughs> before yeah. you even get started. So <laughs> having a can-do attitude, a positive attitude is certainly a big player in what we look for, for somebody entering our career field. Uh, you know, I can, I can teach you all the specifics about the job, uh, but what we found is, is we want people with these core, we call them the core values. Um, if they have those, 
and we can teach them about anything else, but it's tough to teach integrity. It's tough to teach self-driven um, or a team first attitude for somebody. Gotcha. So these 200 employees, they're basically out in the field on the ground and they're the ones that are going into these companies and, and basically taking a look at the quality process. Correct. Correct. Okay. Uh, our, the, our primary uh, location that we do work is different automotive plants like the GM truck plant in Fort Wayne. Sure. We also do that. We do that in uh, almost a hundred other car or truck manufacturers throughout North America. Hmm. Um, if you can imagine like the GM truck plant in Fort Wayne, they build a thousand vehicles a day. Wow. You know, that's so mind, you, mind boggling. It is. It is. So if you, you know, you think, okay, uh, if you're the guy who makes the headlights, well, there's two headlights on each truck. So that's 2000 a day just going into the Fort Wayne GM plant. Now there are, you know, a similar sister vehicle to that Fort Wayne plant are the Chevy Tahoes, the, Cadillac Escalades and, and those sister vehicles. So yep. they share a lot of components. So you're not just providing headlights or whatever to just GM plant in Fort Wayne, but to other GM plants throughout North America that build all those other things. So you do the math and, and you've got to kick out maybe five to 10,000 headlights a day and they all have to be perfect. Wow. So we <laughs> dispatch our resources at those different plants to proactively go out there and let's take a look at the headlights before somebody complains about them. Let's yeah. see what we see. And so we're kind of the uh, arms and legs and the field agents for the guy who makes all those different things hmm. uh, to be out there reporting on it. Cause the last thing we want and anybody wants is the customer being the first one to tell you, Hey, there's a problem with your product. Mm -hmm. So yeah. We have guys out there that are, are looking for the problems to be the first one to find it before the customer does. Gotcha. The, this can do attitude. I like it. You got it. Good <laughs> <laughs> so what, what would be the average pay for somebody, like you said, boots on the ground who are all over the United States, you know, maybe starting off if someone, some of our listeners might be interested in uh, yep. going into a field like this, what's the maybe starting pay? And then as they've been at it for a lot of years and move up the, the ladder, what does that look like on the higher end? Sure. Uh, a good starting position uh, that's very simple uh, is a quality inspector. And so what that is, is we've identified a problem and I'll just use the headlights example. Again, okay. let's, say, let's say one of our guys at the GM Fort Wayne plant finds uh, a loose bulb in one of the headlights that he, you open up the box fresh from the headlight maker and wow, the bulbs are loose hmm. or at least most of them in that box. And, you know, the GM engineer says, OK, that's awesome that you found that. But I've got, you know, 500 boxes in a warehouse across the street. Right. And each box has 20 uh, headlights in it. So I need you to make two piles. I need you to make a pile <laughs> of good headlights and a pile of bad ones. <laughs> mm, yep. We'll send the bad ones back, but I need the good ones. And hmm. so what we do is once we've identified that issue, then we bring quality inspectors to open up every box, check every headlight make the two piles and that's a good introductory position that kind of introduces you into the concepts and what we're looking for a quality inspector for us is in the 12 to 15 dollar an hour range okay um, and then you know those people and the different various jobs uh, as you get more experience you know those people they do have we do have managers they are regional managers that watch after those guys and then there's directors above that vice presidents and then all the way up to me 
so while it starts out at $12 an hour, as you can imagine, the graduated scale up to our managers are making six figures. So, okay. um, you know, it is a, it's not an easy business um, because it is, like I said, uh, we're a people company. We don't really yeah. make anything. We are providing people and boots on the ground. And so that's also the toughest thing. If you remember yeah. what I said is yep. managing guiding the people. people so it's not yeah. an easy job but it can be very very rewarding as well sure sure so if any of our listeners were wondering you know i might want to go into this what would you encourage them to do if they're looking to go into manufacturing specifically the quality assurance pathway sure. I, one of the things i would recommend is don't do what i did where you just <laughs> assume you assume that a career path uh is all these different things so you know, I would definitely research about manufacturing, you know, whether that's a field trip, uh, you know, maybe a, a tour of the cruise foundation, you know, when you guys get set up to investigate that, um, don't assume, you know, what, uh, that career or any career really is do some digging. Uh, there's mm -hmm. some great things that you certainly didn't expect. And I'm sure there's some, uh, maybe some bad things that you didn't expect. So learn as much as you can about it. Um, talk to people that are in that career field, uh, like I said, take field trips, uh, research, you know, uh, the internet. So it's so powerful these days. You can watch YouTube videos of all kinds of stuff. Yeah. One of the, th one of the career, uh, past, uh, you know, with manufacturing that I didn't hear you mention was engineering. I know yeah. there's a lot of people out there interested in engineering and most of the time, especially if it's mechanical engineering, you know, that leads to you design something, somebody has got to make it. So, mm -hmm. yep. uh, those, those career paths are very closely tied together. Yeah, but actually just uh, one of our earlier podcasts spoke with a software engineer um, just, uh, just earlier this week. So that will be on our podcast as well. So yes, mm -hmm. engineering, that'll fall into our STEM pathway, which is science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. Yep. Um, kind of goes right hand in hand a lot with the manufacturing. So yeah, not a lot. Yep. Very cool. So is there anything else that you'd like to share about your experience or your journey that you think... Uh, help our listeners know about uh, your path and your career? Sure. Uh, you know, I think opportunities are going to come at you and usually not when you expect them. That's certainly what happened to me. Uh, you know, and like I said, I've been blessed to take this and run with it as far and fast as I can. <laughs> uh, and you got to have faith to do that, to take that chance. Mm -hmm. um, and the other thing that I would say is uh, I saw a great story uh, that Warren Buffett said uh, a guy got to ride with Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett is a, a huge multi-billionaire that owns Berkshire Hathaway Investments, mm -hmm. uh, very famous guy. And a guy got to ride in a cab with him and he asked Warren Buffett, he said, and this guy was just getting ready to go into college. And, and he said, Warren, you know, what's the best piece of advice you could give me? I'm uh, getting ready to go to college and went down this whole technical thing. And, and Warren said that, you know, uh, learning the technical is fantastic and you need that. And you're going to use that about 20% of the time in your job. <laughs> the, the other 80% are communication. You've got to learn to be a good communicator, whether it's written, oral or whatever, uh, because he and Warren said, if if you're not a good communicator, it's like, you know, meeting the girl of your dreams at the dance and you wink at her, but the lights are out. 
that's a bad day that that's is a, a bad, bad day. day so you can have all the technical skills and be the best whatever but if you are not good at communicating that to people uh it's going to be a, a lost talent for sure yeah no great thank you for sharing that that's fantastic with the this can do attitude and <laughs> you pivot at the beginning of your career and you take what you know god's given you and you run with it and that's right. and, and there you are so yeah no that's awesome well, i i appreciate your time on and being on here today thank you for all the insight and wisdom that you shared with uh with me and our listeners i appreciate that well thank you i'm really excited uh about what you're doing out there at the cruise foundation i think that'll be very good for uh, northeast indiana and good for our community for sure thank you yeah yeah definitely it's going to be great once we get going this fall i'm looking forward to it as well me too well thank you for tuning in everybody and remember to subscribe to our channel as content is updated weekly please leave a review and share us with your friends you can also find more information about the j cruise education center at jcruiseeducation.org and on our facebook page j cruise education thanks again chris you have a wonderful day thank you we'll see you all right